With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Zoltan today. Enjoy your HN Podcast from the Exile Brewing Company Studios. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company for being a longtime sponsor of this podcast, as well as to Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Visit them online at heartlandflags.com. Iowa losing 17-10 to Michigan State. Steve, what were your general thoughts on that ballgame? thought it was a very listless effort uh, by Iowa. I thought that you have a confluence of events that um, kind of came to a head in this game. You had two teams coming off of very disappointing primetime losses, albeit for different reasons. Um, in Michigan State's case, it was, I'm guessing, the way they felt they gave, they gave the game away, gaining over 500 yards, having five turnovers. In Iowa's case... It was an opportunity to make a national statement, beat uh, a fourth straight top five team at home, and have it sort of slip through their fingers. So I think for those reasons, I didn't get a good sense of um, going in. I said on Thursday at our pick segment, of the 15 games on our list, this is the one I was the least confident in, just because there's just a lot about both teams we didn't know and who would bounce back the quickest. Michigan State got off to the kind of start they had to get off to. Um, got off to that quick 14 and nothing lead and then really did nothing the rest of the game whatsoever. But but they didn't really have to because Iowa just could not get out of its own way. Uh, they had one good drive in each half. One resulted in a touchdown. The other one uh, a meltdown and no points. And, and so that, the first step in the confluence of events was – Whoever got off to a good start in this game, it was going to go a long way to winning because of where both teams are probably at, in Michigan State's case, mentally, in Iowa's case, emotionally. That team turned out to be Michigan State. And then the uh, in steps two and three, depending on which order you want to put them in, but you have a young quarterback whose touchdown-interception ratio is pretty good, but his QBR the last couple of weeks is not. He's not playing very efficient football. Um, but you have to wonder how much of that is because of the third step, and that is a running game that's rushed the ball 53 times for 101 yards combined the last two weeks. And maybe we'll find out at the end of the year, Michigan State and Penn State have really good rush defenses. You know, they were sort of considered to be at best above average heading into the season, but they certainly did their job against Iowa. And, you, you have a young quarterback, particularly on the road, and he doesn't have a running game. 
that is that is a recipe to lose games like this and it's a it's a crushing loss for iowa it probably all but takes them out of any hopes of winning the big 10 west at this point yeah it does but i mean obviously inside that locker room those guys believe they could they probably still believe they can uh, because when you're a player uh, unless you're on illinois you probably think you can win every game that's on your schedule uh and you know after having you know lost to Penn State on the last play of the game last week this Iowa team probably still felt that it could or should have won and you can look back at this game and say you know Iowa had uh, a drive down inside you know they had first and goal inside the 10 um, after that fake field goal which was one of the more unique fake field goal alignments I can ever recall seeing but um, it worked at least to perpetuate the drive and continue on on first down from the eight Stanley goes back on a play fake pop play, and he just takes too long on the play fake. But he, mm-hmm. had, he had Matt Vandenberg running that skinny post, and the safety from the far side was not in position to make a play in the ball. And Stanley had him, and he was just too slow with the play fake and coming out of the play fake, and he sailed the pass out of the back of the end zone. And the next play, or two plays later, after Iowa tried to run it into the middle and got no yards, is when he had the scramble and he, and he lost the ball when I think it was Noah Fant was wide open in the end zone and Stanley just got a little ahead of himself. So you, it's just all these little things, and I know people hate it because they can't... Everybody wants to place blame. Placing blame on something that's solid, for some reason, in the human condition, makes people feel better makes people process things better. And when you when you get told or reminded of lack of execution in football, it drives people bonkers. I mean, I've seen a lot of people be critical of Brian Ferentz again in this game, and I'm not saying that he called the greatest game. People are, why are you running into, you know, eight-man fronts? I mean, we, we've seen this time and again from Iowa. I, I, go mm-hmm. back, I go back to the 2015 game at Nebraska. It was a close game at halftime. Iowa in the first half had 15 rushes for 52 yards. That's not a good average. It's a better average than what they had Saturday, but it's not a good average. What happened in the third quarter? They kept running the same plays, the same outside zone play, and Jordan Canzeri busted one loose for 29 yards for a touchdown and then 168 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, you know, just kept running and they kept chipping away. But also some of these things that Iowa likes to do early in the game with their run game sets things up for later in the game. And some days, your best just isn't better than their best. And Nate Stanley has missed, I don't know, at least seven, if not eight, deep throws this year that if they were completed would have been 30-plus yard gains. Several of them would have been touchdowns. So when I hear people complain about play calling and I see drop passes, I see Noah Fant once again get rerouted early in his route, but he doesn't have the experience to know that, hey, I was rerouted there and my quarterback is still back and only has three seconds to make a decision. I probably need to look back a little sooner and not just complete my 10-yard route. I was rerouted for a half second. Fant's done that numerous times this year. Did it again on Saturday. The drop passes that Iowa has had. I mean, Iowa is historically a horrible second and ten team. And when you drop balls on first down or you you know overthrow somebody or make a high pass, Iowa just isn't built to make up for that. It hasn't been. So I, I really, and I don't owe Brian Ferentz anything. I just think 
what I'm seeing right now is a team that's shooting itself in the foot offensively. You're turning, you're fumbling the ball inside the 10 yard line. The subsequent drive, you fumble the ball in the Michigan State 30. So at, at worst, you get maybe maybe six points out of both of those. It's a different game. I this team, Steve, back in the summer when you and I did our over under picks from Bovada, Iowa's win total was at six and a half. You and I both took the under. So I'm not really bent out of shape about this. This is the kind of team, the kind of games that I thought we'd probably see along the way. Yeah, it sucks to lose. I'm not sitting here doing jumping jacks and handing out participation trophies. But, you know, the game on Saturday was the kind of game I thought we'd see more than one time this year, and we probably will. And that analysis is accurate, but it's really difficult for most fans, and I – put myself when it comes to my favorite teams in the same shoes because essentially what you laid out is this team's just not that good i mean they're they're they're, they're probably not but how they're just not that good that, that's just that's essentially what you just laid out you're you're talking about a a, a six to seven win team, yeah exactly what we're talking about and you just you know, we're sitting a here six to seven win team because they're playing two teams, three teams that are presently ranked in the top ten. I mean, and I think that this schedule is just tougher. Yeah, I mean, what you just laid out is essentially the last couple of Iowa teams didn't do a great job getting pressure on the quarterback with their front four. The last couple of Iowa teams didn't really do a good job protecting the quarterback. The last couple of Iowa teams didn't really, um, you know, feature much of a downfield passing game. The difference was uh, the schedule, and and we took a look at the schedule and and thought, you know, even if you're as good as you were the last two years, where you had an eight win season and then a twelve win season, even if you're that good, so that's you know twenty wins in two years, even if you're as good as those teams, that you're playing a tougher schedule than they did. And that's essentially what you just laid out. What you laid out is this is pretty much the team we had pegged going into the season but you know when you're a fan and you wait nine months for a season to come along and you don't have any pro sports teams and you're a fan of a team that you're you're accustomed to overperforming when expectations are low and underperforming when expert expectations were high right so expectations were low this year Expectations were low two years ago when they went 12 and 0. Expectations were high last year when they went eight and four, and it wasn't at times a pretty eight and four. You know, you don't want to. No fan base wants to sit here and you know this on October 2nd and say, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess you know, it, what's the Foster Farms Bowl like? No one, no one wants to say that. But that's essentially it. Would, but what's funny is we don't want to say that on October one. But yet, when we make all that analysis, April, May, June, July, and August leading into the season, people may disagree. But if it's you know if you're reasonable in your assessment, they can understand it. But once the season gets underway, you know sanity and logic. Yes, people lose their are, minds. Are re- yeah, are replaced by the the emotion of fandom, and that's what you're describing. There's no doubt, and I and I get it. I I grow weary of dealing with the mess on aisle five all the time. But, um, you know, and I'm not saying that I've ascended to a higher plane of fandom, but maybe it's just I don't take, I mean, at the end of the day, 
I'm more impacted by the, you know, types of stories and people that are involved than I do over losing the game at Michigan State that I figured they were probably going to lose anyway. But, you know, I, I think the thing about it is, is that I still am optimistic. I'm still more optimistic about this team through five games than I was before the season began, even though because the, their record, they're probably, you know, plus one from what I thought or very near what I thought. But I think that this offense, I don't think they're that far away from being competent to better than competent. Now, the running game is a concern. These last two weeks, it's definitely a concern. But as you and I, Steve, have been saying for over a decade now, these last two games and back-to-back games, we've seen Iowa's opponents play a Brandon style of aggressive defense that you and I said that we would do if we were coordinating against Iowa forever. Right. And that's a concern because next week, Illinois, Iowa's like, what, a 20-point favorite in this game? Mm-hmm. Illinois doesn't have the horses defensively that Penn State and Michigan State have, but they're going to try to employ the same style of approach. If they don't, they're stupid. And then Iowa plays at Northwest. I mean, I think everyone's going to do that until Nate Stanley starts to connect on some of these deep balls that are there. From a play standpoint, those plays are being set up and the deep routes are open. They're just not hitting them. And I think if a few of those hit, it'll probably slow down some of the aggressiveness of Iowa's opponents and make the running game a little bit better. And even if it doesn't, I I think Iowa has a better collection of playmakers or, you know, guys with a pulse in the passing game as receiving options than I did before the season began. I I think they're better there. So I actually think this team can continue to grow, and I think that it will. I think the bye is coming at a perfect time for Iowa after the Illinois game. I know everybody always says that about their team every year. But I really think that's the case for Iowa this year. I've probably said the exact same thing every year. But I think you get another week to maybe spin up a Tristan Wirfs at right tackle so you can move Sean Welsh back to left guard. Sean Welsh, or right guard. Sean Welsh is an excellent guard. He's maybe an average tackle. And it shows up. Alaric Jackson, there are plays like on Akron Wadley's touchdown. It was a phenomenal athletic block that he made on a linebacker just destroy the guy then there'll be other times it's a lookout block Akron Wadley didn't block all that well in that game so I think that the offense is is knocking on the door of being good enough to go along with the defense that still folks you know Michigan State like you mentioned they had their first two drives they went up and down the field and, and put some points on the board they scored three points from the, the second quarter on this game is still de- decided by points on the scoreboard and this mm-hmm. defense this defense is doing its job so I, I think they can, they can be a seven and eight team seven or eight win team still I, I don't think that it's going to happen but I think that they can be but I just I'm having a hard time losing my stuff over, you know, youthful mistakes on offense that we expected to see in the passing game. Well, big picture, this is the record I thought they would have at this point of the season. I just thought uh, they would win. They'd beat Michigan State, and they would um, lose at Iowa State. Right. Michigan State may be a little bit better 
than I thought they would be. Um, I, I still, I think Brian Lewerke has some real playmaking ability. I think though, similar to a Nathan Stanley, he's probably a year away. I don't think their offense. I think their offensive line is okay. I, I don't think their defensive front sevens anywhere near where it has been. No, their linebackers aren't. But that Iowa made no. thirty-five look like a freaking hero. Yeah, well, and but that'll happen too when you combine a young quarterback on the road without a running game. Okay, I, I mean yeah. those guys were going downhill before the snap even came. Yes, yes, exactly, absolutely, yes. Um, I, secondary wise, there's no Darquez Denard, there's no Trey Waynes, there's nothing like that back. Even a Monte Nicholson, there's nothing like that back there. So they're a little bit better um, than I thought they were going to be. I thought they were maybe a five win team. So I, 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 they might get to seven wins. But I think what what's really disappointing about the, the outcome, if you're an Iowa fan, is. It almost would have been better if Sparty would have just kept going after the way they started. Because mm-hmm. then you could spin it as, you know what, man, they we caught a desperate team playing at home. They Their next two games are on the road in the Big Ten. They know they can't lose this game and, and, and lose back-to-back home games. We came off a late game, you know, where everybody's telling us how great of a moral victory we had. And emotionally, we just weren't there. You know what I'm saying? And and if Sparty would have put up 24, 28, 28, 31 points, then you just, you know, then, then, then as an Iowa fan, you have that perspective of this was our annual September stinker. You know, this was our Arizona State. This was, name, I mean, name the game. You know, you know we got that out of the way, and, you know, now we got, we had, and, and now we can go on from there. But the fact that um, you're still really not sure how good of a team Michigan State is. That, yeah, all the things I just mentioned happened and they got 14 points and then nothing else where, you know, really good D'Antonio teams would have been up on you 28 to 7 at halftime under under those circumstances. And I think that's what makes this disappointing. If you're an Iowa fan is there's a sense that you let an opportunity slip away and it's two weeks in a row now you've let opportunity slip away although against vastly different levels of competition under different circumstances. But I think that's what, you know, far be it for me to speak for Iowa fans, but I think I've communicated with enough of you over the years that I have a decent read on your line of thinking. And I think that's really what it comes down to, is it's two weeks in a row where opportunities were lost that maybe take you from a season where you're not a contender in the Big Ten West to being one to you're not a contender for one of those really nice January 1 Florida Bowls to 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 being one. And if you win one of these last two games, then then you have a chance still to have a season where you move up a tier. I think losing both of them now makes that much more difficult the rest of the way. The margin for error yeah. is, is is nil. Heartland Flagpoles and Flags has flags of various shapes and sizes, banners, windsocks, and more of nearly every team and every sport. That's college, NFL, MLB, NBA, and hockey. If you feel like maybe you're the only Seattle Seahawks fan in your neighborhood, don't worry. They have flags for you as well. 
Heartland Flags has more than 100 Iowa Hawkeye items from flags to tiki totems, metal signs, luggage tags, and so much more. Let your fandom fly when you shop at Heartland Flags. Free shipping. Seriously, when you shop online, we're talking about free shipping. Your orders will ship for free from Heartland Flags. Heartlandflags.com is the website. Go check it out. Dace, he's a huge Michigan fan. He's a Detroit Lions fan. Rob Howe is a New York Mets fan. I went to their website. Heartlandflags.com has it for you. Again, free shipping on all orders online. Follow them on Twitter at Heartland Flags. And once again, visit them online at Heartlandflags.com. I agree. My biggest frustration is more micro than macro. It, it it really does stem with me. Drop passes are things that I just don't abide well. And this will sound really, you know, I don't know what the right adjective is. I played, I played receiver in high school. And I think my senior year, I dropped my first pass. And I don't think I dropped another one. Now, I think I had like... 29 catches to lead our run-based team, and that's the the highest level I played at was high school football. But I just I, I have a problem when I see receivers drop passes, and I don't I, I hate the self-inflicted wounds, and you know turning it over inside the opponent's ten. So I, I'm focusing more on things like that, and saying that given the type of defensive effort that I think they're going to be able to have through the course of this year based upon what we've seen. I just, you know, Iowa's offense doesn't have to be great, and very seldom in the Kirk Ferentz era has it ever been great. You maybe could only say that once or twice. It just needs to be competent and not shoot itself in the foot. I think they can be that. So I guess I I sit here still encouraged and hopeful that this season can exceed my expectations. And maybe it does come down to that, Steve, and, it, and all too often it does. And a lot of things, you know, the, the difference between disappointment or happiness in life typically lands on what your expectations were. If you go into the Force of Awakens and you're expecting to see J.J. Abrams deliver just a phenomenal new idea, and you watch that movie and you come out of it thinking it's a reboot of the original Star Wars A New Hope like you did, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're mildly disappointed Mm -hmm. where I was ecstatic. I Mm -hmm. loved revisiting that world. I thought it was great. So it comes down down to expectations. So my expectations for this year were low. This team is actually exceeding them somewhat to this point in time. Now, maybe everybody who's all pissed off at this juncture thought Iowa was going to be 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two just because, hey, we're the Hawks, and that's what we do when that's, you know, reality based in another dimension. Um, so here it comes home to roost. I don't know, but it probably comes down to just that very thing. What were your expectations before the season? And thus far, I think this team has a chance to exceed what I thought. Well, and, and don't discount, you know, something we talked about in the a couple times during the offseason where I think eventually we talk about everything in the offseason because it's the, it's the longest offseason in sports. <laughs> yeah, it is. But but it, this is about this is another team we discussed at one point this offseason. I think it somewhat relates here and that's you know, Sam Darnold at USC now, I believe has nine interceptions. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I've watched three of his games this year including the game against Washington State on Friday night. And the dude is still making phenomenal plays. I mean, he's just – he's making plays 1% of quarterbacks in college football can make. But they had a little bit of a drop-off 
you know, uh, there's no Adoree Jackson. There's no Juju Smith-Schuster. A little Now, the other guys, Deontay Burnett and those guys, aren't chopped liver. But those guys aren't first-round picks in the NFL either. They're probably fourth or fifth-round picks. So just a little bit of drop-off at the skill talent. Now, he feels he needs to press a little bit. On top of that, though, remember, he was put in a third of the way through the season as a redshirt freshman last year, and there's no film on him at all. And now you give college coaches an entire offseason to take a look at him, look at his tendencies. You've got more time during an offseason than you do during a week when you're trying to prepare your team to truly to truly analyze every snap, every throw, every rep on film of this guy and see every nuance. Is there a route out there that maybe maybe we didn't notice with 20 hours a week he struggles to throw that we noticed watching nine, 900 hours of film in May? And so that's the route we're going to favor. That's that's the route we're going to let him throw and make him force that throw, and that's what's leading to more interceptions. See, these things happen when there's when you did begin to develop tape. And then, then, then it's a matter of, you know, can you adjust to the adjustment on you? Don't discount that we could be seeing a little bit of that with Nathan Stanley, okay, in that, you know, prior to playing Iowa, you know, Penn State played Akron. Um, you know, this was Michigan State's desperation game. If they lose this game with Michigan on deck. I mean, you, we know what their fan base, their fan base, like basketball practice started. It's the same thing all over again. Shut it down. We're kind of you're, you, so you're getting. We know a little bit more, and the opponent knows more about Nathan Stanley than they knew against than they knew than Wyoming and Iowa State knew. And, and you're playing better caliber of defenses than Wyoming of Iowa State as well. So that's part of it, too, is teams are starting to learn a little bit more about Nathan Stanley, and they're adjusting to him. And, and, now, and, and what they've learned is dude throws a really good touch pass to uh, Akram Wadley in stride. Don't let him do that, okay? And, and you're right. We're finally seeing this Glenaney defense every week that you and I have wondered for over a decade – why teams just don't do this every single week. And now we're seeing it, and it just so happens now that we're seeing it with a young quarterback that simply doesn't have the experience yet, not to mention a new offensive coordinator as well who doesn't have the experience yet. And it's just going to take some adjustment time. But you're right, you know, given what tickets cost, given how much you wait for this season, how short, how fast the season goes by, we're already a fourth of the way through the year. Uh, you know, I don't blame fans either for being like, you know what, man, I, I, I just when they when they raised my season ticket prices again this year, they didn't give they, they didn't they didn't give me the be patient with the young quarterback because the Big Ten Network crew warned us in August that there's going to be some growing pains. They didn't give us the two for one discount on that. So, you know, schools on one hand, if you want to charge NFL level pricing then don't be shocked when the customer has NFL-level expectations. I get it. I mean, I'm not uh, this. I'm not trying to pick fights with people, and if the, some of you listening are incensed with what I'm saying, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not sorry for that, but I'm not trying to pick a fight with you. It's just how I see the world, and sometimes we can agree to disagree on some things. Um, you know, hopefully during the bye week after – I mean, if they lose to Illinois, cancel Christmas. That's that 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 Illinois is one of the worst Power Five conference teams in the country. I mean, you're talking about Kansas, Missouri, 
uh, Illinois, Boston College, Oregon State, and Rutgers likely being the six worst, in my opinion. Um, and that would also be on the Sagarin ratings as well. I mean, Illinois is just brutal, so you're not going to lose that game. You get to the bye week, and, and I'm, I may have mentioned this briefly earlier. Hopefully, a Tristan Wirfs maybe can get spun up. You've already burned his red shirt. Um, and maybe he can be a better option at right tackle than what Sean Welsh is, or just as good. If he's just as good, if he can hold his own to the level that Sean Welsh can, I'm not saying that he can, but if he can, then you move Welsh back inside and you're a better, you're a better run-blocking team at that point in time. So bye week will come at a good time. We'll talk more about that at that point in time. That, that's the thing that I'd be worried about more than anything if I were an Iowa fan. The offensive line? Yeah. yeah. I, you've, got, you've got, I think, a high-level NFL prospect at running back. And this was, you know, a unit returning basically intact that won the Offensive Line of the Year Award last year. Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, well, that too. I, I'd, I'd be concerned about that. That's, that. That would worry me, is that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I, I think losing Ike Becker is maybe at the time I didn't give it enough attention. I just my faith in Iowa and their offensive line abilities. I'm like, okay, that's that stinks for Ike, um, but Iowa will will we'll find a way. And not having a guy that with nearly 40 career starts at right tackle, that's apparently tougher to replace than I gave it credit for. So we shall see. Um, at any rate, again, I think the offense, the, the, the buy will be a good time. All right, that'll do it for our Iowa recap podcast portion this week. And Steve and I will be back tomorrow as we talk about things from the Big Ten. I also want to dip into the, um, the basketball scandal topic with Steve in our next podcast, something that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Rather big story. Uh, some people out there are really pissing me off, like Dick Vitale. But we'll talk about that in the uh, next installment. As always, thanks for listening.